All right, good morning. Let's try this. Hi. Hi. Good morning. Hi. I dropped my pocket. That's what she just told me. I'll get it later. So last week we looked at the demon-possessed man in church. Today we're going to look at another um, in the book of Luke for the next encounter as we're following Jesus through his life and his ministry. Um, in Luke, Luke wrote the gospel so that Theophilus might have certainty about concerning the things that he had been taught about Jesus. And Luke wanted Theophilus and anybody else who read this to know for sure that Jesus is the Son of God who came to seek and save sinners. Luke records 21 miracles about Jesus in this gospel. Today we're going to example, uh, look at one, examine one about a leper. Anybody here have leprosy? That's good. I, I wanted to make sure. The funny thing is everybody looked around real quick like, whoa, <laughs> okay. Leprosy isn't really something we're all familiar with. It's treatable and it's pretty much gone. Five miles off the, Cape, uh, the coast of Cape Town is an island known as Robin Island. Um, it's only uh, three square miles in size and it once housed a community of lepers. Hundreds of lepers were cared for on this island from 1846 to 19. 31. The only structure of that time that remains today is their church. The Church of the Good Shepherd was built for um, the lepers in 1895. It was very difficult for a person with leprosy to get off of the island of Robin Island. To be certified, to be free of leprosy was virtually impossible, and they would have to if they weren't taken off by the boat, they would have to swim to shore. You can see in the background how far it is to the land. During Old Testament times, it was virtually impossible to be healed of leprosy. On those rare occasions when someone was healed of leprosy, there was this elaborate and extremely joyful ceremony that was extended over eight days to celebrate and show the cleansing of the person with leprosy. You can find this in Leviticus 14. Now, let's say somebody here had leprosy, okay? It began when you had to request, let's say, I'm cleared, I'm clean, you would have to get a certificate kind of of being clear and clean. So you'd have to go to the priest and get this done. Outside the perimeter of the community, you would have to stand outside. You would have to bring two birds, one presented with cedar wood, scarlet yarn, and hyssop. The other bird was killed in a clay pot, so the blood was all in there. And then the live bird would be dipped into this blood and then allowed to fly away free. The blood was, um, and so it was like this bird was taking away and a new life was being done. The rest of the blood would be sprinkled on that person who was cleansed of the leprosy. And they would uh, shave the body, bathe, and then they would be entered into the community. They would do all this stuff. They would do this big elaborate thing. And, and after the cleansing of the blood and then the cleansing of all the body, they were reborn into the community, into the new phase of existence. That's their normal thing of how they handled it. Let's go to Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 12. In one of the villages, Jesus met a man with advanced case of leprosy. 
When the man saw Jesus, he bowed with his face to the ground, begging to be healed. Lord, he said, if you are willing, you can make me, or you can heal me and make me clean. The early chapters of Luke describe the ministry of Jesus. He's in Galilee. He kind of sets up a base camp in Capernaum. Um, and from there, Jesus traveled to all these other cities. And here he finds a man full of leprosy. We're not sure what city, what region he's in, but we know that this man came here. And the Greek word for leprosy is a general term for skin conditions. The most severe form of what the Bible would call leprosy is what we'd call Hansen disease, which is advanced leprosy. Most of us have seen pictures who have been afflicted in, with the leprosy. It's a horrible, frightening, disfiguring disease. But what's important to understand is leprosy is not this rotting. I had to read a lot. I got to see a lot of pictures this week of this. Uh, some of you might really like to see that. But now you're all wondering who I pointed to. I saw some of you like... But what's important to understand is it's not just this rotting disease, it was something else. In recent years, Dr. Paul Brand and others prove, proved that the disfigurement associated with leprosy or Hansen disease comes because the body's warning system of pain is destroyed. So this disease brings numbness to the extremities as well as to the ears, eyes, and the nose and things like that. And the deformities come from incidents such as reaching into a hot coals to pick up something. Um, I, I saw a video where uh, they were talking to a guy who had it and he placed his hand to stand, just lean against the counter, except it was the stove and it was burning and he couldn't feel it. Um, gripping a tool so tightly that because you can't feel if it's there and then all of a sudden it gets stuck in that position. In third world countries, when people were living like this, Vermin would move into their homes and sometimes chew on those parts of the body. And the person wouldn't wake up because they couldn't feel that. Knowing that, Dr. Brand, after performing corrective surgery with the leper, he gave them what he thought was a great gift. I disagree. But he gave them a cat so that the cat could move in and take care of all the vermin. Dr. Brand calls this disease a painless hell. It's no pain, but you see all the, the reek and havoc that it puts onto your body. Leviticus 13 says this, As for the person who has the leprous infection, his clothes shall be torn, the hair of, and the hair of, of his head shall be uncovered. He shall cover his mustache and call out, Unclean! Unclean! He shall remain unclean all the days during which he has the infection. He is unclean. He shall live alone. He shall live outside the camp. We can't imagine what it's really like to do this, to be as a leper. Imagine that you came into church today and say, hey, I have a disease. Stay away. I am unclean. I am not good. You can't come near me. I want to be near you, but I have to stay away. Just imagine. I know. Sometimes his family members would place food for you in certain areas but they couldn't come near you. Can you imagine seeing your child, your loved one, that you couldn't come near them? You'd have to set a bowl of food and move so that they could come get the food. Lepers ended up starting um, living together out in remote areas, out of the way places. To make matters worse, by Jesus' time, 
the rabbis had changed the teachings and placed even greater restrictions on lepers. It was illegal to greet a leper. You couldn't say hello to a leper. Lepers had to remain at least six feet away from person if they were downwind. If they were upwind, you had to stay 150 feet away. If a leper put his head, just leaned into your house, your whole house was unclean. And here's the worst part of the leprosy back then. It was viewed as somebody had leprosy because of some great sin. They thought God afflicted them with this because of their sin. And unfortunately, that mentality still exists today. There are times I've heard people say, well, you know, it's sad that they got cancer, but, you know, they had a rough living. Well, you know, I I know that surgery was hard, but they, they kind of brought it on themselves. And that's not what this is. Even though a leper was not any more sinful than anyone else, leprosy, in fact, did illustrate something. The effects of sin in our lives. A leper is a physical illustration of the cleansing work of Christ. Just as the disease of leprosy affected every part of the lepers, so does sin in all of our lives. If we let sin stay there, it starts bringing us more and more numbness against God. And we can't feel him, we can't see him, and we can't enjoy his good pleasures. So this man who is full of leprosy heard that Jesus was here and he had this ability to heal and he comes, Jesus comes to this city and here he comes. Now imagine he's coming into the city. What is he supposed to say as he comes in the city? Unclean. Basically calling attention. Hey, leprous man right here. Move out of the way. I'm a leper. He approached the city. He had to keep seeing that. Now, picture the idea that Jesus is here. So what is happening? There's crowds of people around. They're pushing in. They want to see and hear Jesus. And then faintly at first, but growing louder and louder, you hear not just his voice of saying unclean, but then all the shock of the crowds around starting pointing, almost mocking, unclean, unclean. Imagine the horror of this guy coming near you or your loved one. The the crowd parted. Here he approaches Jesus with great intention. His desperate condition um, caused him to realize that he had no hope in this world. We need to draw near to Jesus. In this scripture, this leprous man is going to teach us how we can draw near to him. And the first thing we see here is he approached Jesus intentionally. He did it very intentionally. He came up to Jesus despite his condition. He wasn't supposed to be in the crowd. He wasn't supposed to be in the city. And intentionally he came. Apart from Jesus, we are all like lepers. We are spiritually unclean and we have no hope for a new life, a new purpose, and a new destiny. We have nothing apart from Jesus. And if we want to be cleansed, we have to approach Jesus intentionally. We can't just expect it to fall upon us. Look how else that he approached. Verse 12 again. Uh, when a man saw Jesus, he bowed with his face to the ground, begging to be healed. Lord, he said, if you're willing, you can heal me and make me clean. It says when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face. He approached Jesus reverently. 
He saw that Jesus is God. He was not just a flippant approach and saying, hey, you got some time to heal me. He came down and bowed. He prostrated himself before Jesus in an act of worship. Could it be that this person, considered an outcast beside, uh, by the society, had come to understand before any of those other Jews around him that Jesus is God in human form? He bowed down in an act of worship. No one would have bowed reverently to Jesus unless they understood their own self-worth compared to the worth of the one they're bowing to. We live in a time where there is too much familiarity with God and the things of God. Sometimes we forget that we need to approach him reverently, bowing down because of how great and holy and pure he is. Lying in front of Jesus, it says the leper begged him to cleanse him. He was an outcast. He was miserable. He was wretched. He had no contact with his family, friends, or job. He was desperate. His only hope is Jesus. And so he approached Jesus urgently. He begged. There's an urgency in his voice. The reason so many people don't know about the saving grace of God is because they are comfortable and happy. If they even think about death and life beyond the grave, they have not yet come to the point where they're desperate for answers. This man knows he is hopeless and he urgently needs God. Where are you on that? Do you urgently need to draw near to God? Look again at verse 12. Lord, he said, if you're willing, you can heal me and make me clean. He said, Lord, if you are willing. What does that mean? He first calls him Lord. And while some try to say this is like a metaphor of saying sir or a polite way of of greeting him, um, that's not what this is. This is an acknowledgement of his sovereignty here. He is approaching Jesus humbly he's elevating jesus and lowering himself he's humbling and then he notice he didn't say lord make me clean have you ever seen or had one of your own kids say give me when they say give me what do you want to do wow somebody said punch them in the face whoa But you don't want to give it to them, do you? Now, if they, if they come up, Mother, because of thy great love, would you share? Then you want to say, did your father put you up to this? But if they really humbly come and say, Mom, I really need this. Dad, could you please? Isn't that a lot better than give me? He says, Lord, If you're willing, he asked him humbly. He made no demands of Jesus, knowing that he had no right to claim anything. I know I don't deserve it, but if you are willing, Lord, he humbly requests Jesus to heal him. We need to come to Jesus the same way. We need to do so with great humility because Jesus owes you nothing. 
Let, I mean, really, this culture is tell, telling everybody you deserve certain things. You deserve this level of happiness. You deserve this level of success. You deserve this level of respect and, and all this material things. No. You and I deserve hell. That's what we deserve. Jesus owes you nothing. And so we need to come to him humbly. Simply request him to work in us those things that we can't do on our own. And what did he say? If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Notice he did not say, Lord, if you will, you can heal me. But rather, if you are willing, you can, make me, uh, you can heal me and make The leper was acutely aware of his unclean condition. He did not only shout out that he was unclean. He knew he was unclean. He knew his physical condition. He knew he was spiritually lost without this. Now here, notice what he said. Uh, let's put this in today's vernacular. There are two ways you can ask for a hamburger. Can I have a hamburger or may I have a hamburger? Okay, the first one, can I, is a question about ability. The next one, may I, is a question of permission. Can I do this? Well, yeah. I, I usually ask the teenagers, can I hit you? And they go, no. I'm like, yeah, I can. <laughs> I have the ability. I never ask for permission. May I hit you? Well, no. Well, okay. But... When he says this, notice what he says. Lord, he said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. He knew something. He knew Jesus had this ability. And so he approached Jesus believingly. I checked, that's a real word. He approached Jesus believingly. And when we come to Jesus we must believe that he has the ability. There is no if you have the ability. God, if you're willing, you can. Not if you can. Do you notice what time it is? We haven't left verse 12 yet, have we? All of that in just verse 12. So let's read what happens in verse 13. Jesus reached out and touched him. That first phrase is huge. Unclean, unclean, I'm here. Uh, you can't come near me. Everybody back away. And Jesus reaches out and touches him. I am willing, he said, be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared. Do you know Jesus never turned anyone away who came to him for a cleansing? Or cl Everyone who came to Jesus for cleansing was cleansed physically and spiritually. When the leper came to Jesus for cleansing, Luke tells us that Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him first. And then he said, I am willing, and the leprosy immediately left. He touched him first. Here's a guy with advanced leprosy. That means he's had it for a long time. His extremities would have been changing colors or they'd been hurt. They'd been disfigured. No one has touched him. And here he's laying on the ground. If you can heal me, please just do this. Not if you can heal me. Lord, if you're willing to heal me. And Jesus touches him first. That's the biggest thing here. 
he touched him first. Imagine this guy, he's probably married, could have been married, had kids. He wasn't able to feel the embrace of his wife or his children for years. Pastor Kent Hughes said that he once counseled a lonely man who had no family that cared about him. He didn't belong to a church. He said that his hair, uh, he had his hair cut once a week just so someone could touch him in a caring way. That's why the man went to a barber, just so that somebody would be nice to him. Imagine that leper's longing to be touched and accepted. Why did Jesus touch him? He didn't have to. And I believe it's because he wanted the leper to feel compassion. He wanted this leper to feel and know the willingness that Jesus has for him. With that touch, he's saying, I am willing, I love you, I will cleanse you. And instead of Jesus being contaminated, because when you touched a leper, you became unclean. But instead of being contaminated by this man's leprous disease, this man was cleansed by Jesus' touch. There's also a theological reason. The touch of Jesus on the leper is a picture of Jesus cleansing you and I of our sins. When we first needed him to forgive us, he didn't sit there and say, hey, go fix your life and then come back. He instead reaches out and touches us. He takes our sin away and gives us his purity, knowing that he is willing and compassionate. Verses 14 and following, then Jesus instructed him, don't tell anyone what had happened. He said, go to the priest, let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. Despite Jesus' instruction, the report of his power spread even faster in vast crowds, came to hear him preach and be healed of their diseases. Now, this is a weird section here, and I had to really read into it and see what it is. Jesus says, don't tell anyone. If you were just healed of this disease, are you going to be silent? No. You're going to want to tell somebody. But Jesus says, don't go tell anybody. Go directly to the priest and fulfill the Old Testament laws. Why? What is this? Wouldn't you want to spread the good news? Why didn't Jesus say, you're healed, now go see your family. You are healed, go join the community. What is, this sounds weird and, and different. Jesus wanted the priest to confirm this man was now free of leprosy. And then they would be told how it happened and, and by the power of God. He humbly approached Jesus, and notice, after approaching Jesus, the leper obeyed. It says he was already healed. Did he really need to go through that ritual? It was gone. If you were healed, what would you do? How many of you would go to the church or the temple like he said? Or how many of you would like to go home and see your family? Let's break that down. Apparently, this man couldn't keep himself, but here's what it is. This leper partially obeyed God. He partially obeyed. The, the, I want to make sure I'm not jumping ahead. Here's what this whole thing meant. You go, to the lep, you go to the priest and do this. But he didn't fully obey. 
Now, if your kids only partially obey, don't we just give them partially the blessing? I, I used to get, um, I, I just saw it, good. A mom goes, no, you give them what you promised them. You give them the blessing. Jesus said, do, go do this, don't tell anybody. And yet, did he take the healing away? Did he take the blessing of being healed away because this man didn't properly fully obey? Which shows us that Jesus is full of grace. He is forgiving, compassionate, even when we fail to complete, uh, to keep his commands completely. Jesus heals this leper. It's a picture of how we come to Jesus for cleansing spiritual, spiritually. Every one of us, we need to understand, is a spiritual leper. We have all this gross thing in us called sin. And if we want cleansing from our sin, we must approach Jesus as this leper did. And as we do, we can be assured that Jesus will willingly, compassionately, always heal and cleanse us. Imagine the joy this man felt once he got to see his family. I remember when, I, when I'd be gone for like a retreat or a camp and then I'd come home and, and I'd get to finally hug my wife and the kids. And, and that was a few days. Imagine years of it. Because he properly went to the, the priest. Here's what this meant, that part of it. He could fully, legally, be introduced into his family with no problem. If he would have just went home, like I would have wanted to do, then the priest could have pulled him back and said, you, you haven't been properly healed. He said, obey the law, do it this way, so that nobody can contest that it happened and that it's real. And then you're given the certificate, this thing of being reborn into the community. You can be reborn into your family. And this is a really great thing. Once we are cleansed from sin, we can be reborn into the real family of God. We can take away all the sin, all that leprous thing from us, and God can reborn us, and we are in the family. And then the joyous thing. Things happen, the celebration. It lasted eight days. Now, when somebody comes to Christ, here, here's the really sad thing for many of us. We clap and we sing a song, and then we leave. We don't have a joyful celebration like they did. This elaborate ritual would last eight days. Who wants to party for eight days? Yeah, even Lexi does. I told you I'd call you out today. We want to celebrate, don't we? Why don't we? I think it's many times because we don't realize the sinful condition that many of us are in and the rejoining into the family of perfection. This precisely is what Jesus' cleansing of the leper in Luke 5 tells us. It's about Jesus cleansing us from the stench and rot of sin, making a way for us to join God in community and celebration. You know why we get to come together as a church? Because Jesus cleansed us. You know why we can enjoy one another? Because Jesus cleansed us. James 4, 8. 
come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. That leper drew close to God. And what did God do? He got down and touched him. He drew close to him. This leper drew near to Jesus and Jesus came right up to him. What about us? Are we ready to draw near to Jesus? Right there in verse 12, it tells us how to draw near to Jesus, how to come to him. And when we do it, we can see this great celebration, this great rejoining of a community and a real family. And don't you want that in the church? Then let go of your sin. Let go of the things that are causing that leprosy spiritually in your life. And let God come and cleanse you. Let him reach out and heal you. It's time to draw near to God. Let's stand and let's pray. God, we thank you that you are a God who loves us, that doesn't make us draw the whole journey of trying to become perfect, but you reach out to us while we are still sinners. God, I thank you that you are the God of compassion and grace who gives us what we don't deserve. Lord, forgive us. Forgive us of thinking that we are good, that we are good enough, that we've mastered it. Forgive us as we look at those around us and we are thinking unclean, how dare they? Remind us again of who we are according to you and your standard of, pure, of perfection and purity. And thank you. Thank you for receiving us. As we come back to worship you with song, let it be one of, of rejoicing, of love for the grace and the mercy you've given us through Jesus. Help us to draw near to you. In your name we pray, amen.